The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Thing that we've addressed many times in the past, which has to do with there's there's two ways of looking at it. Um, we're on page eight in the handout. Uh, the there's two ways of looking at it. One is known as a thing. The way we've addressed it, which comes up often in the context of medical ethics, is the question of choosing between two lives. You have to choose between two lives. So the principle, as we've discussed many times, is we have no right to choose um, who's, because whose blood is redder. So whenever it comes down to two, to two lives, an issue of two, two lives, we can never, you never have the right to choose. So for example, it really starts with a Yushalmi. Get your hands off my bagel. Um, it starts with a Yushalmi. Um, t- the Yerushalmi Talmud, Talmud Yerushalmi, which discusses a famous case, and I don't want to dwell on it because we've discussed it many times, where you have a caravan of people traveling, a, and then some pirates come onto the caravan, we're in the, in here, this is the famous oh, yeah. Yerushalmi, okay. and they ask, they say, if you give us one of you, one person, we will uh, not touch the rest of you. If you don't give up one person, we're going to kill all of you. So even in that case, says the Yerushalmi, you're still prohibited because if you're giving up that one person to save even numerous other lives, so it's the individual versus numerous, you still, at the end of the day, you're judging that his blood is, or your blood is redder than his. So you have no right to do that. Unless, says Yushalmi, famous case, is if they specify, we want this guy, and according to some opinions, that guy had to have violated capital crime, then you're allowed to give, if they specify, but if you're, meaning, because then they're making the choice. They say, we want, give us this guy, and then we won't touch anyone else, then you can give up that guy. But if they just say, give us one person, and where you, where you as a group, or you as a society have to choose who to give up, that's where it's prohibited, because you're choosing one life over the other, and you can't do that. But if the choice is made... If the choice is made not by you... But if the choice is made for good... What if the choice is not made for good reason? That's a real, oh, so well, well, that's, words, that's the authorities a, want to want right, so that's the a diff, that's an argument whether there, some say um, there isn't it's a machlokas in Yerushalmi Rabbi Yochanan Rishlakish. So Rabbi Yochanan's opinion, I believe, is that the person they're specifying also had to have anyway um, violated a capital. Uh, he's a murderer. Right. Okay, well, yes, we're exactly. happy to get rid of him. But that's an argument, and it's not clear who we rule. Because there was a woman mixed in with a bunch of guys, and they say we want her. They're going to say we it? want her. Can I? Can I? You know. No. What do you mean? To, for rape or murder? What? What? No. no yeah. They either they way, the same applies for rape. By the way, if there's a group of women which happen not during the Holocaust, they say we want this woman. I mean, they, or they say give us one woman, we won't bother the rest. Yeah. Can't do that either. Okay. No, you can't do that. What in What in the book say? Attack them. You know, you can all yeah. die anyhow. Could attack. Them. No, so that's, that's, that's a different die. question. We'll get to. Can, can you attempt to commit suicide if you know you're going to get raped or you know or tortured? Will come up soon. That's a different question. But I'm saying here, of course, if listen, if you can win a war against them, there's no question. Fight them. Talking about where obviously it's a group of pirates. You're unarmed. Whatever the case is, you can't do anything. Yeah, but this sounds so. Your police officer. Okay, kill us all. You know, or you know. No. Why not attack? Take some uh, of them. Yeah, but them. obviously they're armed, then you're not. That's the case. Obviously, if you can kill them, then you of course you're supposed to kill them. <laughs> if you can do something, there's no question. But there's a scenario where you can't, like in the Holocaust, where most many of the cases they couldn't do anything. There's not much they can do. You know, Gandhi was. Uh, Gandhi said, "We're not pacifists. Jews are not pacifists." 
that's halacha. You're supposed to, someone comes to the side of the you, you're supposed to kill him first. That's not a question. Gandhi advocated in a situation like this that the Jews should sit down and be killed if necessary um, as a form of civil disobedience. Not halachic, but that's what he was saying, which I guess that's one consideration. This no, it's not. Well, it's that, not. There is no, no the Jews are not pacifists. No, the Jews don't make a list. Well, that's a different question. Right. No, I'm so, saying, no, so that's, okay. that's this question of choosing one life over the other. Mm-hmm. As far as fighting back, there's no question. You no, I'm saying back. Gandhi would say, don't make a list and don't do anything, get killed. But that's not no, Jewish. That's not okay. Jewish. So, Except for the fact right, that so Gandhi was, the, the, the Brits were just a little bit exactly. more civilized. That's exactly what George Orwell said. George Orwell took Gandhi to task for saying he's an arrogant SOB. He said he had the fortune of having the Brits, having the British as enemy were right. civilized people. The Jews didn't have such luck. They had right. these, uh, you know, Mamzerim. They, right. Right. You know, they, 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 people forget about that when they talk about Gandhi and they talk about Martin Luther King. I mean, there still was, on the other side, some semblance of decency. Yeah, but that's why yeah. I'm trying to make that point that George Orwell just dismissed this notion of mm. being uh, pacifist yeah. and civil disobedience. You see on the bottom of the right column that the Rambam when he, he talks about specifically about rape, he says, same applies <coughs> when Nashim Shalom, where you have a group of women where Gentiles happen upon them, again, they say, give us one of them, and we'll, we'll uh, you know, desecrate her, if now we're going to rape you all. So it says, so the Rabbim rules, they all have to, they, they cannot give up one woman and they all even though at the risk of all of them getting raped. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, right, same thing with murder. But rape and murderers, though we have discussed <coughs> in the past, right. are tantamount in Judaism. Um, someone's gonna kill, if someone's woman. running to rape someone, someone's attempting to rape someone, they can also be killed. Um, um, they have a din rodef in Jewish law. And that applies to female rape, male rape, either way, homosexual rape. Um, specifically, okay. Um, so, so the case was so putting this in the context in the Holocaust. So, the uh, so the other way of referring to it, if you notice, he puts the title here: Mesira, Hatzala versus Mesira, saving a life versus giving over a life. And that's really the question. So, in, in Judaism, this is another whole uh, category of halacha, which is known as Mesira, very controversial today because. How does it apply today is, is of controversy, but throughout the ages, as we know, there were many Jews who would give up other Jews um, to unjust governments, whatever the case was. Cases where they you know, didn't necessarily do anything wrong. We always had, uh, especially within communist government, and 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 throughout ages, this was a concept. So so it was so taken so seriously that um, one of the the 19th blessing of the Shmona Esrei was added in specifically what's called the Lama Shinim, um, which is talking about the the Mosers, that's the the noun for Masira, they're known as a Moser, that means the tattletalers, people who go, Jews who are in our own society go and give up other Jews to to uh, to whatever it is, pirates, uh, unjust It's a nasty blessing. Right, and the blessing <laughs> basically, he instituted this blessing because clearly it was a problem throughout our history. Of course, in the Holocaust, it, it was a major problem. If you ever spoke to survivors, they, the Nazis were smart enough that they appointed Jews as many times the head right, to make the decisions of over people's lives, so which got into the same question of how much, what were they allowed to do? Are they allowed to give someone over, even if they violated something or, or not? Um, where it comes to play today is when you have, and this is very controversial, obviously, because throughout the ages this was a terrible thing, but when someone actually does 
commits a crime and you're living in a just society, then of course uh, the law is not applicable. There's no prohibition on the Sira. But many Jews today think there still is. So you have, let's say, a child molester in the community, and people will be hesitant to report him to the police because Masira, it's not, which is ludicrous. Of course, the law was never meant for that situation. It was meant when, for a, when you're when you're dealing with an unjust government and an and unjust society, and the person did nothing wrong, or he whatever he did, he you know they, you know they would steal all your money if they know you have it, and you go and report his money. So that's a very different scenario. Um, but the case here, so the case, so the case that they bring up is, which happened throughout the war. In is Apco a situation like Bergdahl trading Bergdahl, the army soldier for five terrorists from Guantanamo? No, but that's different. What do you mean? I mean, is this applicable different? at all to that? I don't hear the connection. What's the connection to that? Well, they're saving Bergdahl's life. Basically. No, but that's a different question of trading prisoners. Um, you know, ransom for prisoners. That's a whole different. Okay. Uh, not scenario. I mean, it's applicable, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. directly. Okay. Right. So, this, so he brings here. I'm not sure where this book is. Where he's quoting this from, but he discusses this case of at a, at a, at the time of mass deportations in the left column, the Judenrat, which which was the Jewish people who were put in charge <coughs> by the SS the to run the camps, right, and to run the ghettos, faced a major dilemma when the Germans ordered them to draw up lists of people to be deported. Right, so deportation obviously meant, in most cases, death or, or mm-hmm. you know, in the best case scenario, you sent to a slave labor camp where you probably going to end up dying anyway. So deportation, let's say this is from the ghetto, was not a good thing. Anyone who was put on the list would probably not survive. So incidents of this sort of Vilna and the environs are described in three sources. Dr. Mark Dwarczeki writes that after the second action, action, how do you pronounce that word? Action. Action. In the ghetto, rabbis in Vilna held a meeting and then approached Judenrat chairman Jacob Gens. These rabbis, Rabbi Nachman Mendel Zalmanovich, Rabbi Dovber Pilowski, Rabbi Yitzchak Kornikus, and Rabbi Israel Gustman, who I happened to meet, had the privilege of meeting, he had yeshiva in Israel after the war, warned Gens. That so he survived. This guy, Gustman, survived. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy I heard of. Um, it warned Gens that Jewish law is articulated by Maimonides in the one we discussed, we just read, forbade him to hand over Jews to authorities. Gens ignored their admonition and instead acted in accordance with his own views. So the rabbis in the ghetto, the Vilna ghetto, came to the to the head of the Judenite, whose name was Gens, and told him, you can't make up a list. You can't produce a list. Because by doing that, you're basically handing over these Jews to, to be killed. And that's prohibited. Um, so Gens ignored their admonition and instead acted in accordance with his own view. This was an act of rescue, because he viewed it as, listen, by sending these people away, they're not going to bother the rest of the ghetto. They'll leave us alone if we give them whatever it is, you know, 15 people a day, whatever they were asking for. So we have to, we have to save everyone. We can't, we can without considering our moral sentiments. Thus he determined who would live and who would die. So this obviously took place throughout the war in many ghettos. Some Judenite made the dreadful decision to comply, deciding who would live and who would die, usually in the belief that this would enable Jews who constituted an efficient workforce for the Germans to survive. Other Judenrat refused to lend a hand to, the, to these lists no matter what and sell... What is still, it? still. Still. Still, still others asked rabbis what to do. Presumably not all those who consulted rabbis had the same motives. Some generally wanted to act in accordance with Jewish ethics and halacha, whereas others wanted the backing of the rabbi who was considered moral author- the moral authority figure, a moral authority figure, in order to persuade the community 
to do as they said, and if they did not receive this backing, they would do as they wished anyway. There were also rabbis who took the initiative in order to prevent the Judenrat from making up the list. Such incidents occurred in many places. The heads of the Judenrat worded their question as a matter of saving many people by handing over a few. In fact, however, in terms of Jewish law, it was a dilemma concerning Mesira, which is in the category of prohibited bloodshed. Therefore, it is important to see how rabbis ruled. So this was came up, like I was saying, daily. Was there any was there any controversy on the rabbis' part with this? This seems very clear. Uh, was the, the, did the rabbis have a have, have a lack of clarity here, or was it the, well, the, the no? The, the, the halacha is very clear. The halacha is very clear. What the halacha is? The question is, how does how is it applied in the scenario where you're not actually? They're not saying when to kill them. Um, Just hand get, them over. Just yeah, they're saying hand them over where, you know, we need them for, you know, it, it, it wasn't clear what they were doing with these people, especially at the beginning of the war. And you, get a, you know, they shipped them somewhere. People in the ghettos, I think, in the beginning of the war, and you can tell me this is true, didn't know that they were death camps at that point. There wasn't, in the beginning of the war, there were no death camps. It took a while. Secondly, they, even, you know, they were taking them to work, in, you know, in some slave labor camps. So... How does this apply? You know, at some point in the war, they realized there was, you know, the Auschwitz, they heard about it in the ghettos, but even then, they didn't, not everyone knew. Most people that obviously came to uh, Auschwitz had, read, had no idea what they're coming Obviously, none of them had read Mein Kampf. Could be they read it. But it's no, still, they had uh, Mein Kampf, but you still don't. You know, Jews have survived. Historians of the Holocaust talk about choiceless choices. We're giving an apparent choice where your only choice are all bad. It's just how bad is each yeah. choice? And Jews throughout millennia have always said, well, they're not going to do what it is we suspect they're doing. That's never really been done before, which is not true, but that's what you want to believe, that nobody is really going to do what it is we think we're going to do. So it's a choice between a very bad choice here, a very bad choice here, and is one of those choices or both of them fatal? Well, you didn't know that. One of them could save lives. In in a practical sense, without this this halacha is is a big chiddush, meaning you're saying you can save... 15 lives, but you're gonna, like not going to do it because there's, you can't give up this one person. They, in other words, it's not so simple. Morally, I mean, halachically, that's the halacha, but morally, if, if you, it's very nice to speak about it in a class, theoretically, but when you're sitting there and there's, there's a whole you know group of people and you can save them by giving up one of them, it's, That's it's a classic trolley this dilemma. Guy, right, and this kid, you know, it's a kid who doesn't, who's an orphan, doesn't have parents, no one's going to miss him. He anyway is missing a toe, whatever the case is, you know, he's, he's dying anyway. We know he has, uh, you know, you know, whatever it is, typhus. So let's give him up. I mean, it's, it's, you have to realize in a practical sense, it was a very yeah. great dilemma. It's like you know, the even Obama if I'm observant too and I want to keep talking. it really isn't going to nuke uh, Israel. You know, so forget about it. Well, the classic is that in secular world is a trolley dilemma, which I think you've mm-hmm. discussed yeah. before. Yeah, you know, and you have a trolley going down a mountain, and you, the driver sees a group of people there, or one person there. Yeah. So he can move the trolley to kill the one person instead of the 15, yeah. uh, the group, you know, kind of the five. And then you get into all, suppose that one person is... So halachically, he can't. That's what he said. Right. Halachically, I can't do it. That's this case. I can't turn the trolley. I have to be passive. And whatever happens, happens. Because if I turn the trolley, I am doing committing an act of murder in that one life. But it's a real moral dilemma. I mean, yeah. and in the uh, secular world, post halachic world, then they start saying, suppose that one person is a drug addict, or really fat, or you know, a bum. You go, you go on and on. It, 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 
then you, or, Dem- or Obama. <laughs> then Obama you know, Halakha says it doesn't matter, you can't do, you can't it. do it. But in the secular world, Obama. you start taking all those considerations mm-hmm. into account. Yeah. It's a real dilemma. You probably take out the one. Right, everyone, everyone's instinct yeah, to take out the one. Right. I'm saying the, the normal conclusion would be without the Just to move this to, 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 move this to battle. Yeah, battle, war is different. Thing. War so is a whole different thing. Yeah. <coughs> war is yeah, uh, different rule laws because it's a morale issue. Well, well does war apply one. here, though, because it's in the context it's of a war. A yeah, but it's that the was one the other brilliant uh, genius in the uh, 15 who were a bunch of bums. Or one rabbi. Definitely take out the rabbi. No, the rabbis get to talk about it because they was in the war. They saved rabbis, which was a big debate. Right, as no, opposed I understand. to the Mary Shiva, what you discussed. Right, Saving right. the Mary Shiva was why they saved the Mary Shiva, exactly. not other people. So that is, that is part I, I wonder if they... In an I, talk in about a, it. In a situation in the, with the IDF and ground troops, the command has to make a decision. To speak the sense yeah. in one way, they probably won't come back. Uh, no, so he is, he's is exempt from those moral decisions. Those decisions. Yeah. No, yeah, war is different. Different rules. Because, yeah, different, different rules. rules. There's still rules, maybe, but rules of engagement. But it's not the same. Yeah, but he can. Because yeah, the more you have to take into account, the more you know the morale. I think of the this whole fits army. into war. Well, that's right. okay, so Do any of the rabbis apply to war? Let's see. Let's see. So we're on page <coughs> nine. Top of page nine. So he continues. Rabbi Leo Ansbacher, um, who was in the Gus camp, Guz, what does it say? Gurs camp. Can't read it. Can't in southern it. France, a test that requests to remove names from the list were the hardest trials of his life. And he heard the same from other rabbis, meaning because people who were on the list that were going to be deported came to him, especially in France, when there was no camp. So people were on the list to be deported to concentration camps, and they would come begging the rabbi to take them off the list. You know, the there, were, right there were camps in France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Serious ones? Yeah. That guy Toledano at the conference you spoke at, he spoke about the French camp. Mm-hmm. In the northern part of France. Although the lists were made up by the French command, people would come to him in tears to try to have their names removed from the list of people to be transported from Gers. It was the cruelest and worst thing in my life. Not save him? How could I do that? Save him? But then someone else would go in his place. How could I do that? It was the most horrible of the horrible. So if you choice. take someone off the list, then someone else is going to get him. So I'm very nice. I'm saving this guy, but what happens to the other guy? Despite the dreadful tragedies occurring before his eyes, he decided not to save these people because he knew that others would be taken in their stead mm-hmm. unless someone volunteered to go. The decision was especially hard when the list included people who did not fit the criteria and who ostensibly had the right to be released or when the rabbi's family members were on the list. In his testimony, Rabbi Ansbacher describes an agonizing personal experience when a girl who was his ward and for whom he considered himself responsible was taken. He believes that Rabbi Rene Herschel did the same as did other rabbis because taking names off the list was halachically forbidden. So, um, one of the cases in the Bible. Because somebody else was going to be substituted. Right, exactly. Right. Meaning, obviously, right, no, if you get him off the list, right. And that's a good thing. He brings one other case in the bottom, which is fascinating just to see the agony that these rabbis went through. So, this was a list where you put, if you're being deported, you had a, um, a U, meaning you put unfit or fit next to the person's name on the list. It was a list of the whole, everyone in the ghetto, I guess. He says like this. On November 4th, 1941, the Judenrat was ordered to produce a list of Jews who were unfit for work, putting an F next to the name of each fit, fachig, person, and U next to the name of, of each unfit, unfachig, person. Judenrat chairman Herschel Zimnawoda consulted rabbis in the ghetto. The rabbis including Rabbi Sachadov Dov Dobra, 
Rabbi Pinchas Weiss of Turek and Rabbi Zev Leventhal of Yunojau and the Rabbi of Waslova were accepted in the area as spiritual leaders and conducted religious activity openly. Although they were not sure of the purpose of the letters, they felt that it was a faithful decision. The decision-making process was weighty and dramatic. So listen to the story. It says, The rabbinical court hearing began at 10 a.m. the next day, November 5th, at the home of Rabbi Pinchas Weiss in the village of Mal- Malinik. Early that morning, Rabbi Sachadobe went to sanctify himself by immersing in the river, and all the rabbis fasted all day long. They realized that this decision is going to be a weighty decision. So he fa- says all the rabbis fasted that day. A million of Jews gathered at the Yakim Rosenzweig's house to recite psalms. The rabbis pondered the matter until nightfall without reaching a decision. Although none of them knew that the letter U next to a Jew's name meant transport to the extermination camp in Chelmo, um, they all sensed that anyone labeled that way could have a, would have a bitter, bitter fate. They didn't know exactly what was going on, but they knew... This is, this is your point. Like, how decision. bad is it? Is it really... <laughs> Rabbis discussed the issue in minute detail, but could not resolve it. He therefore met again the next day to continue the discussion. The ghetto inhabitants went around anxious and consumed by curiosity. Finally, on Thursday afternoon, November 6th, the ruling was issued. The government's edict is an edict that must be complied with. Herschel was to provide the list, but every Jew had the right to review it and read what was written and marked on it. Due to the danger and the hard times, the rabbis declared a public fast day, and the ghetto inhabitants were ordered to fast on Monday and Thursday. Three times they recited psalms and blew the shofar. Pretty, uh, mm-hmm. So it sounds like they, they, they permitted they, in this case. So yeah, it yeah. sounds like was one reason they weren't sure they were going to die. That's how like right. one issue. They and knew sec- it wasn't good, but they didn't know. They were it was totally that. clueless. They I'm not sure they were totally they clueless, were but the fit were going to be worked to death. Right, they, but they don't know that for hundred. They didn't know what the letters meant, what it was relevant to, for exactly that they was actually going to a death camp. And they were treating it as if it was a peacetime issue, because they're saying it's a rule of the government. So that's why it had to be obeyed. So there they were saying it's not a war. Which is the date? 41, November 41. Well, but, you know, it's not... I mean, a war had been going on for two years at that point, the war. Yeah, but I'm saying they weren't, meaning the death camps, probably the beginning of death camps. People just... Well, they, they were killing people, and they were euthanizing them, they were killing them. People already. just have a very short memory. I mean, humans have a very <coughs> short memory, and they always look for... They, they never see... They always look... Hope springs right. eternal. Well, it's, it's, a human, it's a human nature issue on the part of the rabbis. It never struck them that unfit meant we are going to kill, even though they'd been talking about it. In Germany, from the time Hitler came, unfit for work is the monkey on your back and needs to be. Well, there's a long history in Judaism of being persecuted, but not necessarily being killed. I mean, the times, the, the genocide was a relatively new concept. The word didn't even exist. I mean, they had Schmelnicki, I guess, uh, the Cossacks who killed about a third of all the Jews in the 16th century. They had the Turks who killed half the Yeah, we had plenty of kids, but I'm saying it wasn't on this but scale. You didn't, and, and you didn't know that this was going to be that until after yeah. the fact. Yeah, no one, I don't think they knew they realize. You know, we have the flip side from, you know, now we talk about Nazis, uh, in quotes, Nazis, but back then the Nazis weren't, quote, Nazis yet. Right. <laughs> they, they, they weren't. Well, we they, had the Cossacks, we had the Turks kill the Armenian, the Turks killing But in between, you had yeah, hundreds had of years Romans, of persecution without yeah, genocide. The Romans so, killing the Jews and course. the Poles. Of course. We need, to, we need had, to finish you know, today because they love that coming in. They keep killing. They keep killing. Ron's right. Exactly. We do this again. Is that what he said? No. They just keep killing us. The Turks. No. They're not. He's quoting you right now. Oh, no.
Um, channeling me. So, so listen, so this is this yeah. very fascinating. The next page gets to your question. Of, of, and this is very controversial. Many books have been written about this since the war, which is that specifically much money was spent to yeah. ransom rabbis. Um, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars that were sent by the joint in the United States. This is the Mir Yeshiva problem. Mir Yeshiva, where they specifically targeted saving big rabbis to get them out, um, smuggle them out, and they paid off Germans. I mean, the Nazis were paid literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get um, to release certain p specific people, rabbis. This is that case. Sigmund this Freud and case. Einstein and Sigmund Freud and all the... Einstein know, was here before the war. Right? Freud got was. He, Freud he was, was here. Was he was already out. Einstein was no, here when... No, he, no, he was Einstein ransomed. was in California when yeah, he came to power. He just stayed. Freud got out early before. Freud got out in 38 and they kept some of his family. No, but he got out. He went to London. Barely. No, yeah, barely. In '38, he was in Vienna. A VIP who was. So, but but the question is, is that in the in the context of what we just learned, what right do you have to specifically say, you know, or you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on one guy where they know the Nazis knew they they'll get for the Satmar Rebbe, for example, literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to get him out. He's famous. He was like on the last train out of Hungary. Um, there are many people who were saved in that way, where that money maybe could have been you could have gotten. Well, 200 are. regular Jews for that right. same price, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. This don't is know. our very first lesson about ransoming. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody no, made, well, somebody made a decision that... Regular kidnapping. Someone made a decision that... Right, so the question is, how logically is that proper? Meaning, is there... Do you, can you, we're saying, we just said you can't substitute one life for the other. You can't save one life by, say, by, um, by sacrificing another. That's clear. So here, how does that fit in with this? Now the question here becomes, it's a different question. I can save a life, I can only save one life. How do I prioritize? So, so how do we prioritize? So well, is being a Torah scholar um, sufficient reason to save this person over that person? So it's being, is that a question I, I, of sacrificing? I understand the reason why they say this Torah scholar needs to live so he can pass on his knowledge to, the, mm -hmm. to, the, to those who right, remain. But is that, is that halachically valid? Halachically so is like, like Shelly told me last week, she sent me an email, um, there was the Mir Yeshiva, which was a whole yeshiva gotten out by this guy, this Japanese consul, Sagihara, who gave false visas to literally over 2,000 people during the war. They honored him last week, actually, here in Houston. Posthumously, his daughter-in-law accepted an honor on his behalf. Um, he saved, literally, this guy risked his life. To st I mean, he was giving, the Japanese government told him, don't give the visas. He went and just continued to print well, false visas. But you could print only so many false visas that he could print. He, he printed thousands. Thousands. He, he printed wasn't thousands. doing an IQ test before he gave somebody <laughs> right. a false visa. Right, but the point is, so anyway, in with even within, when the, when the, when the Shiva, which was over almost 1,500 students, at the time, or with their families, came to Shanghai, China, and to Kobe, Japan. So there was a lot of controversy because they felt like the main purpose is we have to continue studying, and and they were spending money to print uh, Talmud, to print things like that, where that money could have been used. Some people claim to save lives because people were starving in the Shanghai ghetto, and the Mir Yeshiva who had money was spending it on their stuff instead of helping people survive. The question is, if for somebody who would. How could, how could the no, famous rabbi, a, a, a Torah scholar, willingly get on the, willingly get on train. the train to, 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 uh, to Brooklyn 
when other people were going on the train. Right, so there are many, by the way, it's interesting. There are how many can, how do you people that were yourself? offered to live, to, to escape, and they refused. Rabbi Wasson was in the United States when the war broke out, to raising money, and he, went, he said, I have to be with my yeshiva. He went back. People pleaded with him, don't go back. He was killed. He come to get him. Well, let's see what they said. So Who, who's, who's, uh, is this a ruling or is this uh, just a discussion? So it's, it's, well, the first he discusses the halacha. So he brings, he brings, listen, listen, Mark, you got to get through this. He brings the, the Talmud, the Mishnah, it's a Mishnah, Masechus Harius. We don't like talking about it, very unpolitically correct. Um, for us, I'll read it very quickly. So hopefully you won't notice the, unpoli- the <laughs> not politically correct parts of it. <laughs> Iran is a little tired, maybe you want to. No, so he says, like it's, it's it says like this Code of Lisha. So it's, it's in the laws of, of, of rescue. So it says a man the takes precedence over woman. No. Le- Let's le- say depending on the context. To, to, to rescue of life. That means, but uh, there is case women take precedence. It means if it's a question of saving life, I have two patients in front of me, and I could only save one of them. So the male takes precedence over the woman. Again, by the way, most can today in contemporary times say this is irrelevant. This is no longer applicable. But this is what the Mishnah says, whether we like it or not. Um, but it says a woman takes precedence over a man, first of all, to clothe when it comes to the issue of providing. So a woman, if you only have X amount of money and you have two homeless people, you give it to the woman. And also to redeem as a hostage. So you have a woman hostage, a male, female hostage, a male hostage, you can only redeem one of them. It says you redeem the female before the male. Um, let's say it's a question of rape. Or, well, really, or, or where right, the case is a hostage where you know they're going to violate the, the as Boko Haram. They're going to rape a male or female. So then the male still takes precedence. Um, interestingly enough, because a male rape is, is more degrading than a female rape. That's what the Talmud said. Meaning that uh, a man will be more affected by rape than psychologically, according to the Talmud, at least in those days, than a, than a female. Because um, that's what it's, that's really what it's about. Who's going to end up in the worst result? That's you know, that's the issue. The first part to the discussion. Talking the deliverance here. Right. The reason why the female is not is, is when it comes to life, a male is rescued. <laughs> if when it's a question of priorities, the Gemara says it's because of the fact that. A man has more obligation of mitzvot. That's oh the reason God. given. Oh my God! Please just move on to the next sentence. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <This is laughs> <just, laughs> not discuss this. Okay. Okay. Just, you can't so view this from uh, from today. You, you gotta can't view, from view this. That is not applicable. Anything. Yeah, you got to view it. You got to view it from a thousand years ago. Oh, so, so it's okay. So let's. So this is what it says. So Tana Rabbanan. So the Gemara goes on to say, the next in the Gemara on this mission says, "How you how you huva b'shevi." So you have him, you're, you're all captured. You, your father, and your rabbi all are, all, all are all taken hostage right. together. Hostage scenario. Okay? So who, who do you redeem first? You can now, you can only, only one of them. Uh, it's meaning I can redeem one of them. Your son or your rabbi? Now let's, your let's guess. No, not your son. Let not your son. You, you your father, father, and your rabbi. Your rabbi. Let's guess. Okay. Right. Let's this, guess. This was so written by rabbis. Of course. Right. What do you think? It's survival of the fittest. They wrote the so document. Says, <laughs> who called them a rabbi? No. So first it says you come before. You're at, You're first. Priority is your own life. So your own life takes precedence. That's number one. Okay. So at least the rabbis gave you your own life. Ron, don't complain. We gave you your life. So your own life but. takes precedence. But rabbi called love. When it comes to your father or your rabbi, doesn't mean, by the way, rabbi of your shul. This means your teacher, the one who you learned. Rabbi, uh, rabbi, 
not rabbi. Rabbo in Hebrew is the, the Gemara translates that as it's interpreted as the person you learned rov chachmasa from. That means most of your knowledge came from that person. Not talking about your medical knowledge, your, right. your okay. spiritual knowledge. Okay, so it doesn't just mean any time they can have a rabbi. It should be read as Yossi Grossman. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I'm pitching. We got that. Jason gets kidnapped. That. <laughs> so you should know the Salah. So, so it says, so when it comes to your father or your, the person, your, what's called a rabbi muvak, your rabbi, you learn most of your knowledge from. Okay. So, so he comes first. That rabbi comes before your father. Imo kodemus lekulam. But your mother comes before everyone. <coughs> Even before you So rabbi. you first, then your mother, not your mother right. first. Yeah. Right. You're, All you, things no, 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 it sounds like Sounds like even you, maybe. I'm not yeah, sure. No, they slipped in the in the end because in the beginning when they introduced the scenario, it talks about just you, your father and your rabbi are kidnapped. Right, that's and this is the order, the but then they snuck it at the end. Right. And by the, the way, mother your mother comes before all of them. Right. Okay, that's an amazing thing. Or, or totally irrelevant, nice. and they added at the end. No, I'm saying it's pretty nice with the footnote. Or irrelevant. It means a, a scholar, a Torah scholar, even comes before the king of Israel. It means you have a king who's an ignoramus um, in Torah. So, I don't know. because right, the rabbis wrote or, this document, of course. Yeah, I'm saying, so he if the politicians the wrote this document. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Suppose uh, you could, Hillary and uh, Obama were kidnapped. Who would you save? Tough choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> they go He's saying like this. Well, the Gemara gives uh, it gives a reason. It gives the logic. It says because a scholar who dies, and there's no one around like him, right? Um, if What's that guy's name in the wheelchair? Stephen Hawkins dies. You can't replace him. Melech Yisrael, politicians, Shemais, Kol Yisrael, Ruim Lamalas. Anyone could become a politician. No special skill needed for a politician. We're all in agreement. There's no special skill needed for a politician, but you can't replace Stephen Hawkins. You can't replace Rabbi Yashif. You're picking it at these semi toss him in the So this, this runs contrary to the paragraph. Melech called him a Kohen Gadol. But the king comes before the high priest. Kohen Gadol called him a and the high priest comes before a prophet. Okay, goes on. So this runs contrary. When drawing a list, you can't take into account the quality of the person who might be on the list. But here, when it comes, except if they're rabbis, it's no. Not well, anything. again, we're, we're saying when it when it, I have two lives, I have two patients in front of me. Who do I say? So that's a different question. It's different than they're asking you. The they're telling you sure. choose a life. No, it's here. We have to have a question of priorities. Of what's the, what priority? What's the word I'm looking for? The, no, no, in, in medicine. It's triage. Uh, triage. Right? There has to be scenario of triage. We have to have a lot of triage. Look, look at this. It's very different than, than choosing a life. The religious politics uh, are fascinating here. Okay. You Kohen get Melech Kodem Le Kohen Gadol, which is fascinating, right? Uh-huh. That doesn't make any sense because the rabbis were against the Kohenim. The rabbis were against the Kohen Gadol, uh, against... Well, I'm not sure what you mean. They were. Usually the Kohen Gadol was a rabbi. No, no, but what so happened at the, the division, at the division of modern Judaism starting 2,000 years ago, or rabbinic Judaism, rabbinic Judaism disdained the priestly class and were separating themselves from it. There's no more temple. Um, this, this really no. Exactly, but at the time prior no, to the destruction of the, the temple, temple, they were in no, different well, classes. Well, the first temple is a big difference. The first temple, the Kohen and Gadolim were righteous second, people. Second, second, second temple. Second temple, they, they all were in a political course, position. Of course, but the right. history has been written by the rabbinic Jews that now dis- look disdainly upon that priestly 
I'm not saying it wasn't they were perfect. only written by rabbinic Jews. The history was written by Jews. I understand, history, but the winners, a lot of history about the, the winners are the rabbinic Jews. Yeah. Victors write the history. Right. So the victors in this case, writing this statement is so obviously anti koanim I don't know what's like, what the logic behind it is. But they're not giving a ruling here. They're just describing the situation. Oh, there's a rule. What's the rule? This is the this priority. Is the if you have a certain area where all these people are taken hostage, this is who you rescue first. Because they just said if you have an emergency room, the Kohen Gadol and a Navi comes in, he's saying save, so save the Kohen Gadol, not the, the Prophet. Ha-ham. I understand no, why he's saying this in response. You see it wrong, by the way, because it says Kohen Gadol called the Navi. So according to you, why would they say that? Kohen Gadol comes before the Prophet. Why would they tell you to say that? If, if you according to Why your is logic, Chacham before Melech and Melech is in I'm telling you, Kohen. yes, but I'm saying but you're saying they hated Kohanim, then they wouldn't say. No, so they save, save the Kohanim before the they Navi. They save a Chacham before the Navi. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? They don't say it. Yeah. So is Chacham Kodem Melech. Melech Kodem LeKohen. Right. Kohen so Kohen Chacham comes before everyone. That's right, true. Right. Of course. Of the yeah, but I'm saying, but you're saying that they hated Kohanim. No, no. But they did. They, they hated all the previous prophets. Couldn't hate the prophets. Judaism rabbis Chachamim take precedent over all. No, but I'm talking about the last statement. It says, Kohen Gadol called the Navi. Why would they say that? Clearly, no it's some other logic. Okay, so I'm saying it doesn't fit with your scenario. With your, I, I think they just uh, want to say they're victors over the whole old cult. So is this a response? Was there a question no, this being is posed a Gemara. He's quoting it's a Gemara. It's not a response. This is, quoting, it's, why is he it's quoting It's a Mishnah it? and then a Gemara. He, he's, this is, he's showing you where the concept of saving scholars scholars have priority came from it's not just I said okay let's say the rabbis we like him it's from the Talmud that said let's no, say I the rabbis, we like the rabbis. Right. what's the occasion <laughs> from stating this is this just because uh, of this yeah, look so let's read this is the he's, he's discussing this question precedence in save in, in saving right. lives so so he discusses during the Holocaust and re- rescue operations were few for the laws of priority in saving lives were no longer academic they were put into practice in several ways by the way one second the last paragraph is awesome I skipped the last another mission which says also comes this is also about saying right right so it's the Kohen and Levi again this list of priorities Israel and then Israel comes and says Israel Mamzer, a freed slave, a freed uh, servant. That's at the bottom. Right. Avo, listen to this. Avo, Mamzer Talmud Chacham. The Kohen Gadol Amaret, you have a Mamzer Talmud Chacham. That means a scholar who's a Mamzer. I mean, literally, it mm-hmm. means he came from a, a right. say, ancestral relationship. Union. Like a Resh Lakish uh, or something. I don't know, Resh Lakish, I don't know, the Mamzer. I thought that was his whole story. Yeah, he's he, a pirate. He, he, he came from a... He's a pirate. No, he's a pirate. Just, okay, I didn't know if his mom's here either. So he says, so mamzer, so this is, this is a pra- he's saying practical halacha. So a mamzer tamuchacham, a mamzer scholar, comes before a kohen gadol amaret. Meaning, w- the, <laughs> the value of a person is weighed by his scholarly Learning, of course. Those are the people uh, that wrote that book, of course. course. What do you mean? So now, so the kohen gadol, in the was a politician, but was a politician more than In the second temple, yes. It was a, it was a political position. scholar. Yes. Exactly, that's what we're saying. Exactly, 100%. I agree. Rob doesn't, right? So look what it says. So now the... the, the but what my question is, is somebody complaining? <coughs> is there a response? Of course, a lot of people... A lot of people... If you're complain. the man of Kohen Gadol, you're going to be complaining. No, but a lot of people complaining here. Why are they saving these yes. uh, yeshiva bachers instead of me? Yes. 
So let's see. During the Holocaust, there were rescue operations with few the Lord's priority in saving lives were no longer academic. They were put into practice in several ways. The most famous being the rescue of Hasidic rabbis and the operation that got students of Lithuania yeshivas out of Europe to Shanghai. The rescue of rabbis in which their special status in Hasidism, Hasid, you see it, left Kal was also a factor, is discussed in chapter 2. So I don't know what he's referring to here. Here we will discuss the rescue of the Shiva students and their rabbis. One of the biggest, perhaps the biggest, of the rescue operations in the early days of the war took thousands of refugees out of Europe to the Far East from their territory to Israel and the United States. In this case, people involved wanted to apply the laws of priority in saving lives. How is this manifested and were the laws indeed implied? We have several documents that enable us to conduct a rare historical and halachic discussion. Some of them concern the rescue workers' ideology. Others are practical instructions of activity reports. The Varatzala, which was an organization um, that organized for the rescue effort in Europe and in, in the United States also. The organization behind the rescue project was established at the urging of Rabbi Chaim Ozer Grudzenski of Vilna. Rabbi Grudzenski, by the way, was established on his urging, but I think it was established in the United States. This organization was considered the leading rabbi of his time, and his rulings were sought and accepted throughout the diaspora. In the 1920s, he had found the Vada Yeshivot, and he coordinated the financial part of the Yeshivot. Okay. Uh, the Vada itself was found to alleviate the distress of the Polish Yeshivas that had fled the Russians and relocated along with refugees from German occupied central Poland to Vilna in independent Lithuania. So, this is um, even before World War II. Hmm. Oh, yeah. The Vod's principles with respect to its rescue efforts were stated at its founding conference in New York on November 13, 1939. Quote, In the olden days of the destruction of the temple, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai pleaded for the great academy of Yavna and her scholars. That's the famous case where he went to the... Mm -hmm. He said, you know, just release. You're going to kill out the whole city, but just give me the... There's he's one city of Yavna out, and scholars. out in a casket. Right, but I'm saying but this is how he rescued right. the scholars. Um, believe that the Torah was the Jewish citadel and the tragedy has befallen our people at the present day when complete destruction threatens the very life of the Jewish people it should be our sacred duty to save our Yavnas of today, the holy yeshivot in which the only salvation of Judaism and Jewish life lies. The study of Torah is equal to them all. We say it's a prayer you say every day the study of Torah is equal to them all. But it, I mean, it's a, it's a very nice analogy historically, but it's totally in like inaccurate. Because they're not choosing over yeshivot versus like other people at the time. Where? Here or in Zakkai's time. Sure, he, it's he, Rabbi Tokayer who did not true. One second, one second. It's not true. He, he was saying he that. Was, they, they could have, he could have, they said, what do you want? Right. He said, all I want is, yeah, he could have yeah, chosen a different group. He could have chosen all the women. Could have said, I want all the pretty women. That's you know, the story. Said, Again, that's the story come, that's told by the rabbi. To which yeshiva? Seder, but you're saying that, that it's not similar. It is similar. We have a I, question I, I, is, who I mean, should we say? You're questioning legitimacy of the story? Correct. You're questioning legitimacy and the accuracy of the story. You mean the story from the time of the destruction? Yeah. It's the rabbis, of course, saying that our legacy is based on this because... It happened. Well, you're saying we, it was revisionist history. Didn't happen. All of it is revisionist history. No, I'm saying didn't. you're saying that story that's, never happened. That's what he's that what suggesting. suggesting. All Very of clearly. it is. No, that's what he's stating. Not suggesting. Well, he's stating that. If I understand it correctly. I agree. I just want to acknowledge it. Well, I would think we'll all. It, 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 this makes sense. I see the parallel from the Holocaust to uh, the time of the Second Temple, but. All history is revisionist. I, I'm in agreement. Yossi, was there any, were there any counter-response? Were there people saying no? Well, this is not a response. This is just a historical book discussing what occurred. 
I mean, this this um, has got to have angered. I don't know if that's your question. This must have angered many. It should have angered well, was, many people. I started saying it's Rabbi Tokayer. Yeah. yeah. Travel. You know, yeah, the guy, yeah, the guy that helped. Us. Yeah. Right. He when we went we went to this synagogue and he was Shanghai. right. He was very bitter about it because said these people were living high on the hog. Mm -hmm. And people were literally starving to death, and they would not help them. They would not sell their clothes. It would sell, you know, give them money so they could avoid being avoid well, starving. Well, that's once death. they were already there. That's once yeah. they're there. That's not the question, right? That's I mean, that's a, that's a that's separate a and terrible. But, but it is sort of the same issue because they're saying our lives as Talmud is more important, more important than yours. It's a, it's a carryover from for sure. Europe which to which Shanghai. Is the same debate in Israel today with the army and the whole right. But well, that, so that, that that would like the issue of today, which I still yeah. struggle with. I. I have I have trouble reconciling. <laughs> I don't have trouble reconciling what happened seventy years ago, seventy five years and he's ago. A rabbi what happened two thousand years ago? It. But I have trouble yeah, with, uh, with, with with the concept of the young Torah scholar who says. doesn't have to serve. <laughs> The young Torah scholar that does not have to serve. Right, so it's in a certain sense related to this topic, but that's all. I I agree with you. I think it's terrible. Terrible mistake of Ben Gurion that he allowed that to happen. But, and subsequent governments, but, so, I mean, but th the, the point is, is like this. Troubling. But there is, I'll tell you what's even more troubling. Tell me what's even more troubling. Is that, the, for example, the Sabah Rebbe, who was saved, basically, a lot of it, by the way, was a Zionist, um, yeah. before the state, yeah. but the Zionist entity was part of it. They wanted to get Jews to Israel. So they themselves made a lot of deals, um, saving, like, for example, Sabah Rebbe was supposed to save yeah. by this guy Kasner. This Kasner train was like the last train out of Europe um, in, during the war. And he was the most vehemently anti-Zionist. <laughs> he spent his life like fighting the state of Israel. And he was saved by the Zionists. That's the... <laughs> and then there's Lubavitcher Rebbe's books, right? They explain a lot of... That's, that's his a different books. story, which is a whole... I read a, a historical book written recently that the, the Friedrich Rebbe, that means the previous Rebbe, not the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, the one who's still alive, the one before that, um, yeah, he's still dead I'm, too. I'm named after. He's, he's still dead too. Oh, okay. The latest. They say he's left. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> what what, what language was, was that? <laughs> wait, <laughs> who are you talking about? The previous about Trevi, not the previous, not the one not who the one just died, died most recently. The, the, one the one who just died one, like 20 years ago. No, yeah. not that one. The one his father-in-law. Actually, but I'm his named his after. Okay. And that's I'm named after Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. Yossi is Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. Yeah. Yossi Yosef. Yes, I'm named after him. His name wasn't Yossi, his name was Yosef Yitzchak. Yosef Yitzchak. Schneerson. He was the father-in-law of the current Lubavitch right. Rebbe, or that's so current. What current? He's Whatever, the lab. The guy joking around. still like, dead, but may not be. That's the... He's mostly dead. Please, let's go. So the point is, so anyway, so his father-in-law came right. here in 1936. He got out of Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in, I don't know, I think it was 1936. Um... And literally, efforts and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent to rescue not his wives, but his library. He had a massive library oh, yeah. um, in, in the Soviet Union. And part of Chabad spent literally, I mean, there's a whole book written on this. Chabad, of course, is not happy with it. How much effort was spent to get his library at Roosevelt and, and Truman. I mean, presidents literally were speaking to Khrushchev and, uh, to get his library at. When they could have been saved lives. Whatever, I don't know. Why. Who's just, no, 36 was Stalin. Um, uh, you know, Stalin. Stalin. Before uh, Stalin. 1950. 
Stalin. Um, so I'm saying how much effort was made, was put into saving his life, thousands of books. books. It's amazing. A lot of them weren't even Jewish, I, by the way. They were Tolstoy plays. I don't, I don't have stuff. any problem. To me, this is all like evolutionary survival of the fittest. You know, this is all like if you've got the money and you've got the organization, you can save whatever you want to save. Yeah, but logically, save. that's wrong. But these are the people that are supposedly precedent. following halakha. That's the problem. That's or or is that just another it's example of their human? Well, have we found Seder, but where does, We're not discussing the human fallacy. Of course there were human fallacies. Ron, the question is, what is the idea? Where this is an ethical have anyone that We're trying to figure out what is the ethically proper thing to Maybe do. Maybe ethics go out the window when it has to do with human survival. That's a problem. Well, is that a problem? That's a problem, yeah. But why is that a problem, yes. necessarily? Why, why not just acknowledge it? We can acknowledge it, but Ron. we have to strive to be well, better. Ron. But we don't. We're not. Even Ron. the quote holiest are not. That's not true. Yeah, here's I just the told you the people who went back in the war have to be the with Torah. their students. Well, they're right. idiots. Maybe. They're you say that. You're, you would say that, but I wouldn't. You Listen, would agree. I was in the Mary Shiva. You don't think that's when a the, When the Gulf War... When my Russian Shiva told you Nelson Finkel came, he has Parkinson's, he was you know, thirty-seven year old guy and he came from his house while the air raid sirens were going off to be with his students. But when there when Saddam Hussein was bombing, that's sending missiles. Why is that different? He's an idiot. You would say he's an idiot. No, well, he say it's a beautiful idiot, thing. But to go from somewhere from the United thing. States to go back into the ghetto just it's because... It's the same thing. This guy walked for well, 10 minutes while the air raid sirens, everyone was in sealed rooms with gas masks. You know he was walking from his house Korshak to Yeshiva. Went to, the, so went to the trains with his... Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually the next thing. His discussing. orphans. So okay. is that idiotic or is yeah. that the highest level of morality? The I don't know. Ron, the essence of your question is... It's a good question. You agree there's a question, at least. These, well, all these examples are proving that there is no question that here is just no, survival, plain humanity, survival. Humanity, what humans do and yeah. what we need to strive uh, to do. Th that's I am. Ron, what humans do and what humans need to strive to do is two different things. I agree. What we do actually do, of course. Uh, no, people, so why, when so I, why when, when strive had, for all uh, these? Katrina, and people were, were uh, you know, walking and taking TVs and because I, of... I know, I remember. Police, you know. But police so officers in uniform this? were stealing... Why have this if really why it's have relevant? This? It's not irrelevant. There, there are people slow. who do this. But this is there are irrelevant based on what they did. Look at Israel Ron, during the war, Ron, how moral you, they are. Look if, at Israeli soldiers. 90% of them are how moral. on the slippery slope. Okay, I don't have this. I don't strive to this. And I think I want to rape your wife. That's next. So, Ryan, it sounds know. like you're saying, you know, what, what they're saying. give up saying, on morality. That's it's either this or anarchy. What's in between? You have the Torah which says X. Now, somebody's got to figure out what that means in everyday life. In this case, it's the rabbis. Do you have an alternative to that? I mean, somebody's got to decipher what the Torah says, or else you have no, absolutely no rules. Says, someone's got to put you have no rules to live by. It's anarchy otherwise. What's the alternative? While this well, may be objectionable, what's the alternative? Well, I mean, you're suggesting that anarchy is... This wasn't an anarchy type of existence. There was no rule. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, prior to the situation, there was there was an attempt to establish rules. This is where I, you I live under it. tough situations. But, but this is... I'm talking about... In tough situations, is there any room for rules? Listen, look Good at this question. whole thing. We're, we've been sending three weeks. These people are asking these questions. So Clearly, some people I'm still want to in keep the, end the rules. It's irrelevant. No, but I'm saying right. We, uh, these people were asking these questions in this situation. That's what I told you. That's the okay. most amazing thing about so this. What? You see, you're wrong. 
These people How? wanted to keep these moral ideals. But even look what in, happened. What do you mean, look what happened? In, in terrible situations, even the most pious of people end up with survival instinct. Not necessarily. That's what we're reading. No, well, we're saying there's halachic source for them to, to do what they're doing. You might not believe it. You might not, but they, if you, they believe in the halachic system. So you don't believe in the halachic system. Don't put your I values on them. No, I didn't say What I'm it. saying I'm is saying they believe the it's not revisionist system, history. The they believe this is what happened in Yavna. It doesn't work in a One terrible second. situation. But it worked in Yavna, right? The point is, I don't know if, that it assuming it did, right? So they believe that this history really happened. This Yavna story took place with Yochum Zak. So okay. right, they have the right to believe that. They believe that, and therefore for them, that is... That is our ideal. We're going to strive, just as Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai strive to save the scholars. That needs to be our, our, when this meeting met in New York, they weren't in the war. These rabbis that were meeting, they weren't in that situation. They, they were sitting comfortably living in New York. They're, they, what they were doing is saying, where do we send our money? What, what we have now, we raise a million dollars to help the people in Europe. What should right. we do with that money? Do we just say, give us all the women? Do we say, Give us the scholars. Right. These are options. They took scholars right. as survival. So there is. So they're themselves. applying the ideals, you know, not themselves. They're not saving themselves. They could have saved their own family. Many of them, I'm sure, had family members they could have saved. But they chose to save the Torah scholars, not their own family members. That's what the guy said before. Right? So I think that's a beautiful thing. You might not agree with the philosophy, but, but the, the concept of them saving the, the scholars, choosing an ideal, in their eyes, it's an ideal. It's not survival. They're, not, they're living in New York, these people. They weren't surviving. They were surviving. You're, this is now in the category of Pidyan Shavuyim. That's what they're basically That's what saying. Said. Here. Now, first the other way is the kind of Allen approach, which is no, this is not Pidyan Shavuyim. Everyone there in the camp, whether they want to be or not, is a soldier. This is wartime. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you don't have a lot to fight with, but this is war. So rather than prioritize who gets saved, this is not a Pidyan Shavuyim situation. This is war. And you should do everything you can to resist and to kill them. Die save fighting, in other life. words. Huh? Mm -hmm. And saving your own life. Right. Uh, right. Else. No, no, 100%. no. That's so not what I'm saying. I'm saying you were now part, you were, whether you wanted to be or not, war has been declared on you. Now the laws of war apply, which is you may have to sacrifice your life for the greater good, but you're fighting for a cause now. That, that's what's troubling to me. About Why didn't somebody take that attitude? No, this is not a, you're not a hostage, you're a soldier. You're a captured soldier. No, I understand. So that's for the person in the camp. The question is, if I'm meeting in New York and we have $500,000 to spend to bribe Nazis, what do we do with that $500,000? Well, that's no, not a that war was, question. But that is that's a war question. That's a question that we Before priorities. the war is not a war question. Once the war starts, <laughs> yeah, but well, does it war, become a war when, when question? Maybe it does, but it's still a question. Priority. A what do I do with the money? No, it's, it's not. A very, it's, it's a you basic question. You buy guns. You buy, you smuggle well, guns. You know what I'm saying? I think that was You certainly make it. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering why they didn't Okay. though this is war, this is not pidgin Before the war, I could understand it. What was the reason that MacArthur got evacuated from the Philippines to Australia? I shall return. Was there a reason for it? Was there a reason that our government, we had a better government then than we do now, we surprisingly run by Democrats, but... Military was strategy. Was military strategy, <laughs> is it not military strategy in the war? To save our most important, to save the most important assets, and maybe the most important assets are this rabbi and his books. It depends, More you so know. Than a common foot, so a common foot. The Israeli so. way is you have your leaders lead. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Netanyahu. He's the only one killed at Entebbe. He was in front. Well, we're not going to take away from Jonathan Netanyahu or the most or the most famous Jewish soldier of World War Two. Which is Maurice Rose, who also died from the, fr at the right, front. So I want to say, but it's only a, very a few good point. people like that. 
I want to I want to say something which I think maybe is the reason we we have to put yourself in the minds of these people. And I might have said this here before. I don't remember. I said it somewhere recently. Is that they're looking? They, you have to understand the Holocaust. We look at it as six million Jews were killed. It's a physical. It's basically mm-hmm. a war against Jews, killing Jews. The the there's a whole other mindset in in the for religious Jews, which is. It, not even the, it was more the spiritual destruction was worse than the physical yeah, destruction. That, that right, that's last. the way they were looking at it. So meaning you had the height, let's say, of of the Torah world, so to speak. You had 500 yeshivas in Europe, whatever it was. All these scholars, major, amazing scholars, books being printed, and that was going to be totally wiped out. Right. You realize that at some point. So it becomes not. It's not just a question of lives. It's a question of. How do we save that world, that spiritual world that's Judaism. going to be How totally do you save destroyed? Judaism? You save right. Jews or Judaism? No, exactly. I, so that was a big part of the Ron's decision. Ron's rejecting that. Uh, no, he's not rejecting. No, he's just saying totally. they were biased, which they agree. <coughs> Listen, not, rabbis are biased like anyone else. The, you're not acknowledging but, the power of that argument that the individual Jew might die, but Judaism will survive, and it's going to survive with some schlepper like me, you know, versus Yossi. Well, let me see, let me think that through again. You know, some schlepper like me versus Yossi, you can make the argument that the Judaism schlepper. might survive if right. Yossi survives. It might not survive, I'm actually survive. giving voice to that argument, saying that it's survival of the fittest, and it depends on who's deciding who is the fittest. Right, 100%. And here these people have decided the fittest is his library. To continue right. Judaism, right, that's Spiritual survival is almost as important or equal or tantamount to <coughs> physical survival is what the, which okay. is what there's I, what's no what's way to say. know how it would have turned out if uh, Rabbi uh, Yochanan ben Zakai had chosen something else other than Yavna I mean, we have no way of knowing how it would have turned out it turned out pretty good as it okay. turned out but, but who knows if he'd say let's save the women because we have to reproduce you know who knows how it would have turned out yeah, we don't. I, I, there's probably a whole other story that we don't even know about. But the whole, the whole bottom line is that rabbinic Judaism grew out of that. Yeah, and out rabbinic Judaism out of Yavne, and it grew out, and that's where all the history books point to Yavne as the origin. Yeah. Okay, nice. Oh, so, so I'm saying is this mindset I think which many people don't get, especially <coughs> and this is one of the complaints people have, like Yad Vashem. If you go to any of the Holocaust museums, they don't show that aspect of what was lost before the, the religious part of. No. You see a few pictures of Hasidim, but they're also embarrassed because they look too Jewish. You know, they don't put, you don't see that. It's a major complaint, like in Yad Vashem, that they've actually been meeting about recently to change it. Because there's no, if you go here to the Houston Holocaust, there's, there's nothing mentioned of the whole world that was lost, not the life. The Jewish Museum in Poland, mm-hmm. by the way, does have right, that element. The, only ones. Huh? Yeah. the Jews are embarrassed yeah. about the fact right. that everyone was Hasidim. So you're saying that, 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 so that played a big role. The, the spiritual loss is... is, is you're like, saying that the spiritual loss has, has been subterfuge to the yes, actual numbers yes, of exactly. human lives. Right, meaning the, there was a world that doesn't exist today and will never exist because right. the Nazis destroyed it. The whole, not talking about just culture, talking about this, these people that were on this, you know, amazing scholars, I mean, that, that will never exist. We'll never get to that level of Torah learning that was in pre-war Europe. We might have the numbers today, we've gotten back to numbers, we have yeshivas, it's beautiful. But no one, I mean, I was telling this, actually I spoke to, I spoke to my Sons Yeshiva, I'm finished with this, so he, so he I told the <coughs> kids, this was upper school, so I was telling the kids. My father told me when he, at nine years old, he left home to go to Yeshiva, left his house, and went to different, to get on the train, put him on a train. The entrance exam to get in Yeshiva at nine years old was, he had to know Tanakh by heart. Mm-hmm. That was like a given. Really? It wasn't the entrance exam, that was like the given. You had to open up a Gemara and just start reading. But I'm saying every kid at nine years old, like, knew the whole Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim by heart. Wow. <laughs> 
today it's like the, you know if this one kid in Israel wins it, like he gets like a ten thousand dollar prize for the it, it was, right, Bible you don't Bible. realize what what was destroyed we don't we don't we can't fathom that so that's something that's totally mm -hmm. people Mister is the same way he writes his book about Nisim all around he writes the same thing that that's was just standard it was normal it wasn't like wow yeah. if I was a special prodigy he was a normal kid mm -hmm. you know Tanakh nine nine years old it's like Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't surprise me. I grew up with my Saba was yeah, one say, so, but yeah. people don't talk no about deal. that aspect of the house. it's not surprising in retrospect that the Polish Museum highlights that more than the Yad Vashem of the Holocaust <laughs> Museum you have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute for a complete selection of our lectures please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom.